Here we go. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another podcast from P-Town. This is your co-host, and we don't have our second co-host with us this evening, so it's just the old man and myself. So, hope everybody's having a good week. She's getting better at this, by the way. Hmm. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. Um, Weathers are turning nicer. Had some pretty good rainstorms over the weekend, which is nice. We really need it, so kind of made the weekend suck. But if you were hungover on the weekend, you didn't really care. So, enough about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about our other co-host, get this. So, he's graduating on Friday. It will be the last one of our kids to graduate from high school. Which is kind of, I don't know. Emotional? Nah, surreal or eye-opening or something. We're getting old. But, uh, yeah, so him and his buddies, they play Xbox on the internet all the stinking time. Um, Call of Duty or Warzone or something like that. And they have been messaging with these dudes from Canada for like the last couple, two or three years. Well, these dudes decided they drove down to uh, watch the boys graduate. And uh, they're all, like, right around the same age, so, you know, not some weirdos. But, uh, yeah, these guys drove all the way down from Canada to watch the boys graduate, and so they're all out eating dinner tonight down at one of the uh, food truck places. So that's kind of cool, kind of different. I mean, yeah. Come down and watch them graduate, I guess. So, you got that type of money to spare for gas. Right. Uh, more power to you, evidently. Yep. But, uh, rolling li- right along, uh, getting into the news you can use from our news correspondent. Thank you, news correspondent. Who actually uh, just had a big birthday this last weekend. Happy birth- late birthday. Yes. Um, you should probably help your brother to know some limits um anyhow this week we've only got one news story but it's kind of an interesting one it's called entitled voter fraud and it says that an arizona woman accused of illegally collecting early ballots in the 2020 primary election pleaded guilty thursday in an agreement with the state prosecutors that saw the more serious forgery and conspiracy charges dismissed and limited any potential any potential for a lengthy prison sentence. So this gal, Guillermina Fuentes, uh, 66 years old, could get probation for running what Arizona Attorney General's office investigators said was a sophisticated operation using her status as a well-known Democratic operative. What are you doing? Nothing. Just keep going. Can I have some space here? Yes, read. Anyhow, a Democratic operative in the border city of San Luis, San Luis, to persuade voters to let her gather and in some cases fill out their ballots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Republicans who have rallied around the possibility of widespread voting fraud in the 2020 election where former Donald President former president Donald Trump was defeated have pointed to the charges against Fuentes as part of a broader pattern in battleground states. She was videotaped by a write-in candidate who called the Yuma County Sheriff. The report said the video showed her marking at least one ballot, 
but that charge was among those dropped. Although Fuentes was charged only with actions that appear on the videotape and involve just a handful of ballots, investigators believe the effort went much farther. Attorney General's Office Investigator William Cluth wrote in one report that there was some evidence suggesting Fuentes actively canvassed San Luis neighborhoods and collected ballots, in some cases paying for them. Huh, looky there. <clears throat> so looky there. Voter fraud. Voter fraud. I didn't think it was possible. I with... thought everybody said it didn't happen. Well, yeah, these mail-in ballots are totally safe. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Only the person voting, which, like they say, I cannot believe my granddad voted for Biden. He would have never done that when he was alive. Alive. Yeah. Keyword. Yeah. Yeah. You'd see the UPS or the FedEx truck in the, or the mailbox truck in the cemetery dropping off ballots. Right. Yeah. Anyhow, moving right along, uh, moving to our uh, most lovely story or theme on the podcast, death, uh, Marion Barber is dead. He was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a pretty good running back, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't ever see his actual cause of death, but I'm not 100% sure that it wasn't involving some sort of drugs or something. <clears throat> Seems like he had a pretty, uh, uh, I don't know, lengthy uh, rap sheet and whatnot after he exited the NFL. So, uh, did either, he, huh? Did he have a twin brother, Tiki, or Kiki? No, no, that was Kiki and Ronde. Oh, Ronde. Yeah. I don't know if this guy's related to him or not. I didn't see anywhere if he was related to mm-hmm. those two or not. But um, yeah, either way, it's kind of a sad deal. Yeah. Um. The and then I just saw last night the lead bassist uh, from John bon, or from Bon Jovi ended up dying. I didn't read exactly what he died from either, but he was one of the founding members of that band, which is probably one of the greatest hair bands of the eighties. Right. Remember all those ba- Warrant mm-hmm. and Poison and Bon Jovi and even Motley Crue had pretty big hair at one time. Is all the money spent on Aquanet right. back in those days. Best stuff ever. Yeah. You make your hair feel like plastic with that stuff. No, it was stiff. It was completely but, stiff. Yeah, but when you touch it on the top, it it was like plastic. It was like a Ken Barbie doll or something. Oh, yeah. that you just, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in another news story, the Oregon State Beavers are hosting... Auburn in the Super Regional Baseball Tournament this weekend. Yep. They uh, beat... Um, oh. I uh, just... Villanova? No. Was it, no, was it was Villanova? I don't even remember. I watched a stupid game yesterday. I think it was Villanova. Something like that. Anyhow. And in other sports news, the uh, Golden State Warriors and the Celtics are all tied up. And I was doing a little bit of research on that. Steph Curry is the all-time three-point shot maker of the NBA. And if you watch that game, right before halftime, that shot that David Poole, or whatever his name is, Poole, Anthony Poole, I think, he like took two steps past the half-court line and just swished it. Mm -hmm. Nothing but net. That was an amazing shot. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. It, I think Steph Curry had a little man crush on him there for a while. Not for long. Raising the boy up right. Um, and then the last thing that we're going to talk about, 
this whole issue of Chiang Kai-shek. <laughs> so, There's lady, a bunch of us that don't know who it is. So, I have heard responses from three different people that uh, have no idea who Chiang Kai-shek was. Um, it just so happens that all three of those people are women. <laughs> all those three of those people are blonde. And all three of those people probably hate me right now. One of them happens to be sitting beside me, and she hasn't started punching me yet. But uh, I just can't believe that people... You were in the same history class that I was in school. It doesn't mean I remember. I mean, you were older than me, but... I mean, sheesh. Maybe it was extracurricular activity where I learned about it. And I don't know that much about him. I just, I knew who the guy was. No, we don't know who it is. And that's okay. It's something for us to learn if we choose to go out and learn about the person. Are you going to do that? No, I don't care. (laughs) Well, you're not helping out the podcast. Ladies, you got to help me out here. So anyhow, um, yeah, so evidently I can't make too much fun of her because there's other people that haven't heard of him either. I did actually pull some people at work, and maybe I'm just extra super smart. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, because some people at work didn't know who he was either. Well, good. Like some, they'd that. heard the name, no. and our kids hadn't heard of didn't know who he was. Oh, well, yeah. The, but one of our kids is blonde, so there's that. Oy. Okay. Moving on. Finally, getting into what we're going to talk about tonight. This one in the song, the title of it is Moonshot, but basically uh, it's talking about the Apollo space program. What? When is this in the song? Wood, uh, Moonshot, Woodstock, Watergate, Punk oh, Rock, Big okay. Megan, Palestine, Terror oh, on the Airlines, Fire. Whatever. Okay. okay. <laughs> so anyhow. Um, yeah, so... We'll go into a little bit of history of the Apollo uh, space program and whatnot, but we're going to um, focus more on the Apollo moon mission, which landed on the moon in what year? 19. That's the century. Uh-huh. Seriously. 60. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me go. Between got... one and nine. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't remember. You're getting nervous. I did not pay too much attention in history. It was a lot Obviously. I know, right? It's 1969. See, there you go. Great year. Okay. What Apollo mission was it that landed on the moon? The first one. No. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> so. Sorry, group. The Apollo program, it was actually started all the way back in the early 60s. Um... And I think we talked about this a little bit, uh, like, when we were talking about the Mercury Project and things like that. Uh, the Mercury Project, uh, it only supported one astronaut, and but NASA wanted to send more people into space. So the Apollo mission was designed to carry three, and they were actually sending, uh, considering uh, sending them to an orbiting space station, which didn't even exist yet. They had this idea that they were going to have this space station, like kind of like what we have now, and they were going to send them up there and, I don't know, have them hang out or something and then go on to the moon or whatever. Uh, then they talked about circumlunar flights, 
which is basically going around the moon uh, and back. And in this type of flight, uh, they would basically use gravitational pull once the trajectory was set and achieved um, to uh, get them there. Then they finally had plans for a lunar landing. And I'm not talking about a moon landing like when two guys bump into each other in the prison shower. That's a different moon landing. So, Abe Silverstein came up. You should look up moon landing on Urban Dictionary. Nope. Don't do it. So, Abe Silverstein came up with the name for the Apollo program. Uh, he was the, Na the NASA manager at the time. And he thought of the magnitude of the program and imagined Apollo riding his chariot across the sun. Evidently, he came up with this name one night while he was eating dinner. So. Drinking a little? Yeah, maybe he was, probably. So if you remember, uh, the Russians, they were the first ones to send an actual human into space. Uh, this took place in 1961. And then only a day later, the U.S. government pledged basically a crash program that America would catch up. Uh, the U.S. already had three different companies working on designs, but they didn't have anything in the that was actually in the works as of yet. They were all just at the design phase. So the Russians had sent their guy into space in April, and in early May of that same year, we had sent someone there as well. So they had, you know, they really kicked it into high gear. Uh, then 20 days after that, Kennedy announced to Congress that we should aspire to send a crew to land on the moon by the end of the decade. And so with this, uh, you know, the president saying that this is one that they wanted to do, NASA basically exploded with funding and things like, you know, not like Kennedy's head, but it was really expanding at the time. And it was the largest commitment of any nation made in peacetime. They were pledged $25 billion, which is about $158 billion in today's money, and the Apollo program employed over 400,000 people and required the help of over 20,000 industrial firms and universities throughout the life of that program. Hmm. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they also created the Manned Spacecraft Center. Uh, this was in Houston, and this is also where Mission Control was at. So, Houston, we have a problem, really is in Houston. Hmm. They also expanded the Launch Operations Center, and since Kennedy had recently been killed, they renamed the Launch Operations Center in Cape Canaveral in honor of Kennedy. This became known as the Kennedy Space Center, and it was signed by an executive order, which got me kind of thinking, if all you have to do is to die to get something named after you, if I die, I want all the Hooters restaurants to be renamed to the podcast from P-Town Playground. Probably not. Don't you think that's a good idea? Not really. They named a whole space center after Kennedy. Yeah. All yeah. I want is some restaurants. Mm. Wrong type. <sighs> <sighs> so pretty quickly they decided that we were going to land on the moon. Uh, they decided how we were going to, or they had to decide how we were going to do it. Um, remember we talked about the ideas of just going into space. Well, now they had to decide on how we we're going to land on the moon. And there are quite a few different ideas tossed around. Uh, flying straight to the moon uh, was one of them. Sending a bunch of stuff up into space and assembling it, then landing that on the moon. 
uh, a moon rendezvous where they would send up one unit to land and then a unit that carried the crew. Then they would switch units and come back. So they're going to send up a unit, land it there. The other guys would fly in, land on the moon. They'd hop into from one unit to the other unit, and then they'd take that one back, which I guess that was probably a pretty good idea because if the thing crashed, then obviously they don't want to go there because they don't have no way to get back. But uh, And then there was the Lunar, ro lunar Orbit Rendezvous. And this is actually the one that eventually won the prize. Uh, and so what they were going to do, they were going to fly up in a uh, two-part Saturn V rocket. Or Saturn V rocket, if you're not Greek. I'm Greek. Or Roman, I guess, maybe. Roman. Something. Uh, and once they were orbiting the moon, a smaller command capsule would break off and land on the moon while the rest of it stayed in orbit. And then once they landed on the moon and did their thing, then they would come back and dock with the main unit and then fly back to Earth. And when the project first started out, they were going to uh, go with the direct ascent because they thought the whole docking system was too risky. Um, and w keep in mind, when they first came up with this idea, they or when they started kicking around the idea of going to the moon and bringing all these ideas to the table, they wanted to come up with the idea that uh, minimized the risk to human life. If they were sending me, it would be the plan that eliminated the risk to human life. Not minimized. But with enough research uh, from multiple people, they were able to go with the rendezvous option. Uh, this was agreed upon internally in NASA, but even Kennedy still wasn't too fond of the idea. And one of his science advisors was actually very opposed to the idea. Um, it, in, in reading, it may not be so much that he was opposed to the plan. He was noting it as being opposed to human spaceflight and landing people on the moon. So, um... He was just ex opposed to us sending people into space, pretty much, is kind of what it sounded like reading about him. Um, but he was eventually overruled, and uh, the project became a go. So now it's time to choose the rockets for this. Um, and just to back up a little bit, the whole program, it got announced in 1962. It wasn't until 1964 where they started their first test rockets. And there were about three test rocket designs that were used before they finally set, settled on the Saturn V rocket. And the Saturn V, it, it was big. It was 33 feet in diameter and 360 feet tall, which is taller than a football field is long. And some of those test rockets, there was a reason they didn't use them, because they would explode shortly after taking off, and they had all sorts of problems. So uh, this is the rocket that they were going to use. And when they first... Uh, got the Apollo program started, there were 32 astronauts that were assigned to fly in the Apollo program. Um, but like I said, the Apollo 11 crew, I don't know if I mentioned Apollo 11 was the one that went to the moon. Yeah. That's the one we're going to talk about. Uh, the primary crew for this, okay. Can you name one, you got to be able to do this. Can you name one person that was on Apollo 11? Neil Armstrong. Can you name two? Give me his first initials. B. Bob. No. Barry. No. Brett. No. Baker. No. Brandon. No. Help. What's his next initial? You. Butch. No. 
I got this. <laughs> okay. So another one was um, Buck Owens. Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin. So Neil Armstrong was he was the commander of the program or of this mission. Uh, then there was Michael Collins and Buzz Aldrin, which I'm sorry, <sighs> I'm terrible at history. Um, I'm not very familiar with Michael Collins though myself. Yeah, I know what he is? Yeah. Um, for all three of these guys, it was their second and last space flight, and this is weird because uh, I tried searching for who had been in space the most times. And I can't find it. I can find who spent the longest time in space, uh, which was a Russian guy who he's amassed 878 days in space. Uh, not consecutive, but uh, out of his whole time being in space, it was 878 days. Uh, I found all sorts of records about space stuff, but I couldn't find any of them that show who's been in to space the most number of times. Um, I did find that there's a NASA guy named Jerry Ross who's gone seven times. Not to be confused with Bob Ross, who could draw a wonderful picture of a tree in space. Yes. But they're two totally different people, so don't get that don't confused. But anywho, um, as you can probably guess, there were tons of, su of support members for the flight as well. Uh, they even had a route planner, hmm. which if you can't make it to an entire planet, I'm not sure that you're cut out for space flight. All they got to do is wait till nighttime and then fly straight. You think? It's probably, yeah. I'm thinking there's more to it. Um, well, they can't launch during the daytime because if they did, they'd hit the sun. So they have to launch at night. So uh, they did have to figure out where they were going to land once they got there. Uh, they needed to find an area that was relatively smooth and free from craters. And they couldn't have any large hills. So they didn't want to land, you know, like on a side hill or anything. They wanted a pretty flat spot. They even had to plan it so that the... Oh, get this. They had to plan it so that the sun was between 7 and 20 degrees behind the lunar module so they had good lighting. Huh. Who would have thought about that? Yeah, I, that was pretty amazing, I thought. And it was... Uh, so it made it pretty restrictive. It limited their launch date to one day per month. Because of that little tidbit? Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. So they're getting all this figured out, and they're having the press conferences and whatnot. And they were asked by reporters who would be the first man to walk on the moon. And they hadn't actually made a decision on that yet. A lot of people thought that it would be Aldrin, but then others said that it should be Armstrong since he was a civilian. Which actually made Aldrin livid. Um, I can see his point. You know, you can imagine going down in history as being the first man to set foot on the moon. Um, but it was also based on how the astronauts were positioned in their capsule as well. And I don't know if just to appease them or what, they actually tried to having Aldrin exit first on one of their practice uh, run things that they were doing. But he couldn't move her around good enough and it actually damaged the simulator. Oops. So it was kind of decided, I think, that Armstrong was going to be the one getting out first. Uh, and then in January of 1969, all the pieces were showing up. And being assembled at the launch site. And so then on finally, on the morning of July 16th, 1969, uh, it says the crew was roused from their peaceful slumber at 4 a.m. They had a shower, a shave, and then the traditional pre-flight breakfast, which was steak and eggs. Oh. And 
I guess I want to know, when did the so-called tradition start? They make it sound like we've been going in space for a ton of years. Um, and I think it's only been a tradition for a couple of years. But anyhow. But by 6.30, they were in their space suits. Uh, they were breathing pure oxygen, and they are headed to Launch Complex 39. There were over 450 uh, people in the firing room watching the consoles. Huh. And if I was the guy crewing into the space station or capsule thing, I don't think I wanted that other room to be called the firing room. Kind of a bad choice of words in hindsight after Challenger and stuff like that. Yeah. Probably. So now it's go time. Uh, There were over a million spectators watching this. Uh, There were said to be 19 governors, 40 mayors, 200 congressmen, and the vice president, Spiro T. Agnew, and former president, Lyndon Johnson. So there was quite an audience there. Uh, Richard Nixon was actually at the White House doing his job, and he watched it on the television or watched it somehow else. All the other guys need an excuse to go to Florida. Um, so it's launch time, and if you look at... These guys have been sitting in the spacecraft for around three hours waiting to go. And the flight finally took off at 9.32 a.m., They'd been sitting there for almost three hours while their traditional steak and eggs were churning in their bellies. And, uh, you think about it. You just ate steak and eggs. You're sitting there for three hours, not knowing when you're going to get to go to the bathroom next. You got these steak and eggs rolling around in your belly. Well, I'm sure they... Well, at my age, you got to kind of think about this type of... you got to plan trips ahead. I know. Oh, boy, do I know. I mean, think of all that G-force. Yeah. Pushing the steak and eggs closer and closer to the escape hatch. I don't think I would have eaten. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have either. I probably... I'll skip breakfast. Um, This kind of the finer points of the mission that I don't know that NASA fully checked out. I think they checked it out. I think they thought about it. The astronauts have to be in certain shape for all of this yeah well anyhow now we're off in space or heading to space um and there is a big long list of how long they flew until the first stage rockets fell off and then the second stage rockets and all that stuff um but if you're like me you're still you're probably not even listening at this point you're still kind of wondering about the whole steak and eggs debacle um but anyhow, at about 100 nautical miles, they were now orbiting the Earth just 12 minutes into the flight. Wow. That's pretty fast. That'd be cool. Uh, they made one and a half orbits around the Earth, and then they fired the jets again, launching them towards the moon. About 30 minutes until the f- uh, into the flight, they got rid of the last piece of unneeded equipment and s- get this. They sent it off using the moon's gravity to create a slingshot effect and sent it towards the sun. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's what I, I was thinking about this. If they ever could get space flight down cheap enough, uh-huh. that's what we should do with garbage. So it just incinerates? Yeah, just load it all up in a big spaceship and go up into sp- or into a rocket and just shoot the rocket. They'd have to do it during the daytime, of course, of course. but shoot the rocket towards the sun. And yeah. then it'll all just get incinerated. Yeah, but I, th- I think you have to have, like, that's a lot of money. Well, no, I'm seeing if they can make it cheaper. Well. But with the price of fuel right now. Yeah, you can't hardly drive, afford to drive around the block, let alone go to space. Right? And rocket fuel. Yeah. 
Yeah, they have to use the good stuff. The good stuff. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, they finally launched uh, or reached lunar orbit around 1 o'clock on January 19th. Was that 1 a.m. or 1 p.m.? Uh, I don't know. I didn't uh, really look into that. Because they really don't have Greenwich Mean Time up there because Greenwich is back on Earth. Good point. Yeah. Um, but it took them three days. Uh, and now you're probably really wondering where the steak and eggs went. No. Nobody wonders. For three days. Nobody no wonders. Uh, they made about 30 orbits around um, around the moon, and they found their landing site. Um, with 30 tries? Uh-huh. It took them 30 times to try and find No, place. I think they were just driving around searching, kind of like driving around Home Depot parking lot. You make about 30 trips through there before you can finally find a spot to park. I got you. Um, and I didn't know this, but there had been other lunar landings that had already been done, and basically they were surveying the surface and sending the information back to kind of help them figure out this area where they were going to land. Uh, they end up landing about 25 kilometers from one of these devices, which was known as Surveyor 5. Fun fact, I should bring some of this stuff up with the... This weekend, when my son's graduating, we have to go to the uh, all-night party, and they nominated me to ask trivia questions to the kids. So how's that for you? I should be thinking of some of this stuff to ask the kids. You should write it all down. Yeah, I wonder if they know who Ching Kai-shek is. Oh, I well, good point. Maybe. Um, so they land about 25 kilometers from Surveyor 5, and then they landed about 68 kilometers from the crash site of another unit that was called Ranger 8. Oh. Red Ranger, Red Ranger. Um, around 9 o'clock the next day, Armstrong and Aldrin got into the Eagle which was the call sign for the ship that was going to land them on the moon. Um, Collins stayed on board the Columbia in order to pick them up. So uh, we have the Eagle and we have the Columbia. Um, if I was in charge of the problem, we'd have called them Smokey and the Bandit. There you go. But uh, now they were on their way to the moon, uh, but there was a problem. Uh, as they were going along, they're passing the landmarks on the moon about two to three seconds early which went they, it meant they were going to overshoot their landing spot. Um, basically, they're going too fast on their descent. So now they're about five minutes into their descent. They're about 6,000 feet off the surface, and the computer starts throwing errors. Um, but the smart guys back on Earth, uh, they found that the errors were basically the computer saying that it couldn't complete all of its tasks in the time allotted, and it threw a message. Um <laughs> One of the programmers for the computer program, um, they uh, s compared it to somebody spotting a fire and calling the fire department. Basically, the computer was spotting an issue that could happen. Right. And it, you know. Um, and it's, They worked pretty fast if they figured that out, the people on Earth. Oh, yeah, probably. But the... Well, the code was amazing. Uh, the gal, this her name was Margaret Hamilton. Um, I saw a picture of her uh, standing next to the code, the papers of stacks that was uh, for the mission of the code that they loaded into the computer. And the paper, it was about as, it was about as tall as she is. Good grief. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, your phone now carries more code than that in it. It's amazing how far we've come. Today we'd never have a woman in charge of such a crucial mission. 
Maybe so she was the only one that could figure it out. Nice job, Margaret. You go, girl. So now they're 107 feet from landing. They were wanting to move some uh, from this area because it was strewn with boulders, and uh, but they were getting low on propellant, so they decided that they had to land. Um, so around 4 p.m. on Sunday, the 20th, they were on the moon, and it was said that they had 216 pounds of usable fuel left on board. Yeah. And the engineer said that they were only 25 seconds away from having to abort the mission and not being able to land. Um, yeah, it's not like running out of gas in the middle of the woods or something. You run out of fuel up there, what are you going to do? Float home. Yeah. Um, Ride a gravitational wave. Yeah. You could fart in your spacesuit and then light it. There you go. Um, but now they're on the moon. Once they'd gotten everything shut down... Uh, came the famous words from Neil Armstrong. He said, Houston, this is a quote, Houston, tranquility base here, the eagle has landed. Did you know that that's where that line came from? Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows that. I thought everybody knew even, Buzz Aldrin, too. Even the Shanghai guy. Chiang Kai-shek. <laughs> um, so even though Aldrin wasn't, this is kind of cool, even though Aldrin wasn't the first person to walk on the moon, he was the first person to take communion on the moon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he did it pretty quickly after they landed. Um, but he uh, he was like a devout, I think he was like an elder or something in his church or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was the first person to take communion on the moon. Um, it took him over six hours to exit the eagle and step onto the surface of the moon. Uh, these guys, they take a long time to do anything. You're they sat there in the ready. plane for th or the thing for three hours before they even took off. Well, they had to do all their check systems. Um, but they went about planting a flag, and they were collecting samples and everything. They had a phone call with President Nixon, who said it was the most historic phone call ever made from the White House. Um, they even set a plaque up there that read, Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D. We came in peace for all mankind. Um, and, you know, everybody looks at that sign and thinks, oh, that's pretty cool. But funnily enough about it, uh, the Nixon administration made sure that the AD part was on there as a reference to God. Yeah. Um, these days somebody would protest against that, but there was some religious stuff going on even back in those days. And, uh, the Nixon administration said the AD had to be on the plaque. Well, good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. But anyhow, um, they'd spent some time on the surface, and then they uh, crawled back into the Eagle and reconnected to its life support system, and then they settled down to sleep. They actually got to take a nap while they were on the moon. I can't even take a nap at home sometimes. They spent 21 and a half hours on the moon, and while they were moving about the cabin, good old Aldrin damaged the circuit breaker, which they uh, thought could have caused the engines to not fire, and they would have been stranded on the moon. How bad would that be? What did he do? I don't. He was that? moving about the cabin, and he hit something and damaged it. And they thought that whatever it was was could cause the their thing not to, not to fire. But they ended up managing to f managing to fix the issue using a felt tip pin. Isn't that cool? MacGyver. Yeah, yeah. It's like MacGyver was right up there with him. Right. Um, 
before MacGyver was even a person. Yeah. But anyhow, they end up leaving a bunch of stuff on the moon. Uh, I guess they were like kind of mementos in case some aliens wandered by and picked them up. They were headed back to beat Collins, who had just been orbiting around the moon waiting. And on July 22nd, or July 21st, they reconnected with Columbia. And then on July 24th, they crashed into the water north of Wake Island. And they were picked up by crews of the USS Hornet. Um, and I did read some about that Collins guy. And they asked him, like, you know, did you feel bad that you weren't on the moon? That type of thing. And he said, no. He says that, you know, I was... He says, I feel that I was just as important part of the mission as those guys were. Mm-hmm. and But th- there was also, when he was floating around to the backside of the moon on his orbit, he wasn't in contact with anybody. Ooh. They couldn't contact him. Ooh. And I think it lasted for like 45 minutes or 48 minutes or something like that. And you want to talk about some alone time. Right. That would be, that'd be kind of spooky. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure you're. But he went about, he said he went about tidying up the cabin and whatnot for when um, Aldrin and Armstrong got back. He's probably like Rocket Man, you know, when he was supposed right. to go to Mars and he woke up six months too early or something. Yeah. But anyhow, um, once they finally got aboard the ship, they had to immediately quarantine for 21 days. Uh, yeah, that's a long quarantine time. And there's actually pictures on the internet of them in their quarantine capsule. Um. And this was actually practiced on quite a few other moon missions until they proved that the moon was barren of life. And, huh. yeah, that's pretty much it for Apollo 11. Uh, I think, looking at it a little bit farther, I think there have been six missions that landed people on the moon. On a couple of the missions, they had lunar rovers, mm-hmm. which would have been awesome. Uh, go bahan across the moon in a rover. And I think the Americans are the only ones who've actually to land people on the moon. I don't think any other country has ever actually successfully or unsuccessfully maybe landed anybody on the moon. I thought the Russians had. No, didn't I don't they, believe so. Didn't they go up to the space center? That's not the moon. Well, no, that, I understand that. But, I mean, like, they they go there. Why can't they keep going to the moon? I don't know. Oh. I guess there's probably not a whole lot of reason to go there because there's really nothing there. Yeah. It would be kind of cool if they went there and kind of set up a planetarium or something so then we could send uh, people to the moon to live, like people you don't like or something. Yeah, I don't think that works that way. Do you know how far it is to the moon? A long ways. How long? Many, many moons away. No, it's just one moon away. <laughs> it's about 256,000 miles. Fun fact. Do you know how far it is to the sun? Mm-mm. About 93 million miles. You know how long it takes light from the sun to get to the earth? Light years. No. About eight minutes. Because <laughs> you know how fast light travels? Light fast. 186,000 miles per second. See, you got to look all this up. You got. I know all this stuff. You didn't know this. I didn't look it all up. Oh. If you grew up in school, paid attention, said your prayers, took your vitamins, you'd be as strong as Hulk Hogan. I took my vitamins. Anyhow, um, this one ran a little long, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I hope there's some of you guys still out there listening to us. Uh, And I was talking, one of the guys at work said that I, um, he started listening to the podcast, and... um, 
the question came up, what are we going to do when we're done with this song? I mean, we've got a ways to go yet, but that's a hint to say that people need to send in ideas. Wait, Josh, maybe I could idea. Maybe I could start researching them now. And, yeah, he did have an idea about something, but it was, we were, I was going to have to play devil's advocate on something. Yeah, and I don't remember. I think, it was, was. I think it was something about gun control or something like that or all the politics and stuff that's going on these days. Really? Which, isn't it kind of sad that your high school kid has to be kind of exposed to that? I remember when we were kids, we didn't really get involved in all that type of stuff. No. You know, we went out and played baseball and rode bikes and stuff like that. Yeah. But anyhow, um, like I said, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And that's it for us. Over and out. Roger. T- time for you to say goodbye. Copy. Good night. (laughs) See you on the next one.